Support for Great Minds is provided by The Wine Store in Naples. The Wine Store offers a unique selection of wines from small production, artisan, and family-owned wineries. Their in-store wine education center hosts classes for the novice and connoisseur alike. Details are at thewinestorenaples.com. Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, the history, and the people behind the wine. I'm Julie Glenn. And I'm Gina Birch. And talk about meeting the people. There's nothing like going to wine country and, and going walking through the vineyards, but it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort, and very few people are ever able to do that. So whenever vintners go to into their so-called markets for events and visits, we do our best to meet them. And it just so happens that we record great Great Minds from the WGCU studios in Southwest Florida. It's an area with international bragging rights when it comes to wine auctions, meaning specifically the Naples Winter Wine Festival. And the people who travel here to participate in this event are all all stars in the wine world, for sure. This was a logistically strategic point for us to do the wine mm-hmm. podcast, honestly. We have, sure. we have a lot of winemakers that come through all the time, but the Naples Winter Wine Festival is huge. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah, it's just... It's, I mean, it's, everywhere you look, there's somebody going, oh my gosh. You're like, what? Starstruck. I was yeah. totally... Star- I was so starstruck, I just walked around looking like I was, like, angry the whole time because I was trying <laughs> to play it cool. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the event was held over the weekend. It was January 24th to the 27th, and it's really something you just kind of got to see to believe. The wine lot's are jaw-dropping. Mm. The wine that's poured is honestly the best of the best. And the food stations are populated by some of the best chefs from the Ritz-Carlton family. And this isn't even talking about the chefs who come for the private winemaker dinners that are in homes uh, of the trustees and stuff that come from all around the world. Oh, yeah. Just it, to make dinner it's with, crazy. with Perry crazy. Wines. It is the biggest charity of auction in the United States. Now, the money goes to children's charities and programs in this part of Florida, and it just gets, it's just insane. This year, $15.8 million was raised, and that does not even include the online auction, which is still open. That goes until the end of January, January 31st. I mean, there was an auction lot of Screaming Eagle. There were eight magnums, and it went for $350,000. There were crazy wine lots. There was a Bentley. There were trips around the world. I mean, it was just magnificent. Magnificent. These, it's like something you dream of. It is. I mean, they're, they're dream lots, and uh, the people really are enthusiastic about mm-hmm. getting in there and bidding high and bidding off, and they did. They, they went up to 550 for that Bentley, that custom Bentley. Yeah, I, I remember when we were walking into the auction tent, I heard the auctioneer saying, I'm really disappointed. Uh, you know what? We're just, we're just going to have to call it. We're just going to have to call it. We're just going to have to sell it. $180,000. And I thought, <laughs> how many smaller charities would kill to have that be their total uh, uh, take home, one hundred eighty thousand, and that was one lot. And exactly, they, and they were disappointed. It really speaks yeah. to the philanthropy, you know, of okay. this area. It's really right. awesome. So there were so many highlights of this event, but for us actually getting to sit and talk to some of the vintners mm-hmm. was really the highlight. I got to say, we're going to share those interviews over the next few weeks. Uh, but today we're going to start with Tim Mondavi, royalty. Am I right? No, totally. A dynasty. I would say a winemaking. The family is a winemaking dynasty in Napa. 100 years since his uh, grandfather was making wine. 100, 100 years they've been doing this. I know. They haven't missed a vintage in 100 mm-hmm. years, and this is going to be the 100th. It's really awesome. So we got to talk with Tim Mondavi. We also got to talk with the uh, fourth generation. Fourth generation. Carissa and Carlo. There are, other, there are two other 
members in that fourth generation that didn't happen to be there. Uh, of that leg of the family tree. That particular. Of the yeah. That particular branch right? that we were out there perched upon. <laughs> right. And it was awesome because we sit down to talk with them and they said, oh, we listened to your podcast while driving around Napa. I know. I was like, you do? You found us? Really? So those That's of so you who awesome. are listening to this podcast, you just need to know that you are in good company because <laughs> other people listening. The Mandavis. Are kind of, you know, they're kind of a big deal. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> what were you thinking inside your head when they said that? You know what I was thinking? So, yeah, I had to digest that. And over the course of the last three days, I've been walking around like, I can't <laughs> believe these are people that actually listen to our podcast. I, feel, I mean, that's just so great. Now I'm a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Now you see you're, you're getting in your head. I hate when I do that. The thing is, we're going to learn right now about continuum, which Tim is doing along with the children are helping out with that. And they each have projects on their own. So yeah, we get to learn about the Pinot Noir from out on the Mm -hmm. Sonoma Coast. So let's have a listen to that interview now. First thing that we want to talk about, this is a big year. 2019 is a fabulous year for our family. What was going on in 1919? Well, there was a little, uh, you see, we have all come out of governmental issues. There was a crazy governmental issue 100 years ago. It was called Prohibition. Mm -hmm. And it only took them well, not, not three weeks, but uh, 14 years to get over it. But uh, in uh, 1919, uh, the 18th Amendment was uh, passed, uh, January 18th, I think it was, something like that. And that amendment uh, to the Constitution made uh, the formal sale of wine, uh, beer, and spirits illegal, prohibition. And however... Uh, prohibition, uh, the prohibitioners realized they couldn't go against the church. All the church ladies uh, were devout uh, 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 Christians, and they couldn't go against the church, so sacramental wine was fine. Doctors said wine is healthy and good for you, so uh, that was uh, all right. Medicinal wine was uh, legal, uh, and also home wine was allowed. And so our, my grandfather, their great-grandfather, Cesare, Mandavi, uh, got us into the grape shipping business for home wine. And then from there, it went to bulk wine, and then later, bottled wine. And we now, with the fourth generation, are pursuing wine at, well, we always have. Our, my father, my grandfather, Cesare, uh, inst- instilled us with a sense of discovery. My father took us to the stars, Robert, and then we are keeping that uh, trajectory ever higher. So Continuum Estate is our, our, the ultimate of our family, and Continuum Estate can uh, sit among the best wines in the world. Uh, and so we are very delighted by that. So we're celebrating 100 years, and we are uh, looking better than ever and having a fabulous time. That's, that's very cool. So <coughs> when you were doing Continuum, I was reading that you were kind of going back to the beginnings with, with your grandfather and, and going back to that type of style. Is, is that what your, your goal is when you're producing these wines? Well, our, our goal is uh, my grandfather got us into the wine mm-hmm. business because of his Italian roots, his culture of uh, recognizing that wine and food and a meal are the most important institution in life. Mm-hmm. So if you can enjoy a nice meal and a nice, nice wine, so yes, we are indeed going back to the emphasis and focusing on that. Um, clarity of focus is uh, centrally important now, especially with all the diversity of activity that's going on in the world. We are focused on the best. And I'm wondering back then, I mean, 
obviously you're not trying to do Sacramento wine. <laughs> 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 but, um, how much does Le Marque and that region of Italy influence uh, some of the, the roots that we're discussing? Well, the fact that the Italian culture is pervasive. French culture uh, embraces wine. Spanish culture, European culture is all about great wine and food. And I think during uh, or after the Second World War and Prohibition, uh, people f here in America forgot that. And I think what my father was able to do was to remind people about the naturalness of, great, of wine and food and that Americans could pursue food at the highest level and wine at the highest level. So now Napa Valley wines uh, are recognized among the very best and uh, you know, much water has gone over the dam, so to speak. Okay. But I, I think that I, th I think that the thing with Continuum is our family, our commitment to, to wine and food has remained constant, but I think our evolution has been from like shipping raw grapes for home wine to, to then, as Dad was saying, bulk wine, to then a pursuit of fine wine at Charles Krug, to then Robert Mondavi Winery, where you really, my grandfather really helped to catapult, I think, what we the potential of what we had in Napa to the world stage. And, and now with Continuum, we really want it to be recognized among the greatest states in the world of wine. And I think with absolute clarity of focus, so a single wine from a single estate, it's what so many of the first gross model is, absolute, um, a dedicated team, extraordinary site, um, and a spectacular wine. And, and my dad was responsible for the wines um, at Robert Mondavi Winery and so was committed to the top wines, Opus One, the Reserve. Uh, he's o overseeing all of it, but his focus and passion was always the top. And so that's the part we're carrying forward of our family's history is um, what we believe wine on an artistic level, um, wine that can be in the company of the great wines of the world. We're going four generations deep here with Carlo and you, so uh, that's got to be a, a proud for you as a father to see that your kids are continuing on uh, yes. the, the, the dynasty and the heritage and the, and the history that your family has with uh, winemaking. Absolutely. I think that uh, there is something that uh, the, the carry-through is of fundamental importance. Wine demands patience. Great wine demands patience. And I think that uh, uh, today when so much happens in a news cycle or a quarterly re uh, return, you know, that doesn't really work in wine. You have to think generationally. And the fact that we are now four generations into it gives us, uh, with a consistent <coughs> commitment to always learning, always doing better, and always recognizing what the greatest in the, in the world do, and what we also can do in our own site, in our own soil, in our own way. So that's, that takes time, and we're there. Was there any yeah. moment when you thought you wouldn't do wine? So for me, <clears throat> I always looked up to my grandfather. I mean, when you were in his presence, you felt it. And I didn't know what my father or my grandfather did, but at a young age, I knew I wanted to do whatever it was that they were doing. And um, over time and travels and visiting the world of wine, I, it just kept being like more clear that this is what I wanted to do. Um, it was great. My family actually kind of did the reverse. Like a lot of families pressure people to follow into like the family business. And my family, I felt more of a pushing away, uh, pushing us away. Like you have to do this. You have to achieve that. You have really high marks to It's not get. just a given that you're going to get right. to go. Yeah. And when you sat down at the table with my father or with within the winery, 
um, back at Robert Mondavi. I mean, there was PhDs, there were, um, you know, masters of wine, master sommeliers, and I just felt like I would never, ever be able to achieve that level. And it took until my family lost our farm in 2004. It was an unwanted sale. It turned out to be, I think, serendipitous, just like prohibition and <clears throat> all these setbacks. We were able to refocus our lines and um, and elevate everything that we were doing. But it took until that moment to say, okay, it's now not something that I want to do. It's now something I need to do because now we have to rebuild. But and you're so, still doing your own thing, though, too. Yeah, right? so <clears throat> one thing about my father, which uh, once you get to know him, you'll realize that uh, he is passionate about Pinot Noir and he's learned a lot about Burgundy. Uh, that has taught him a lot about Cabernet in Napa. And so one thing, Burgundy uh, is all about site. They talk about vineyards and site specification and location. And um, and so I think that that's something that he was passionate about. He also, along many, many years ago, I mean, the Pinot Noirs from the 60s and 70s are the are the Pinot Noirs that have really inspired my, my, myself and my brother Dante, who's my business partner with Rain. And um, so we're a Pinot project way out on the true Sonoma coast, inspired by the wines that our father made. And, um, and so we kind of have followed down that road of, of uh, I think when you were talking about classic wines and going back, that's something that for Dante and I, um, we were inspired by the wines before kind of this riper movement of, um, you know, a few very powerful wine critics who I have an immense respect for, but really like powerful wines and influence the market in a in a in a big way we're going back to before they influenced the market in in some regards um and so yeah well, i think also... people i think the public's attitude towards um reviewers has kind of evolved to the point where people kind of realize that different reviewers have different tastes and it may not be <clears> the same taste as mine so it's not really a it's, it's such a subjective and it's better thing. it's better now than ever before because you have a diversity <laughs> of reviewers right. you, the power used to be in two hands mm -hmm. and the focus used to be immensely on those two hands now, not just this, the, the wine critics who are, I think, better than ever, uh, the diversity and the focus and their broad vision, um, but you also have sommeliers that are incredibly intelligent. I mean, the master sommeliers and then the communities that they form underneath them within the tasting groups, it's incredible. And so it gets, it, the circle has gotten much bigger and the intelligence from the top all the way down to the, the person being introduced to wine has been elevated. So I got the wrap up sign yeah. from our gate. Okay. Yeah, was there one more thing you wanted to add? Yeah, all, all great things take time. And I think that the industry is maturing. Uh, Prohibition set us back to a near new beginning. But in a very, very short time, we have caught up and we are going, we are better now than ever. So as my father used to say, it's still just the beginning. But we are more mature now and as a result, more complex now. So much more refinement, so much more uh, delight. And everybody should know that in wine, always trust your own palate. And here's what I've learned over the years. Always trust your own palate. And that is a good piece of advice unless you've recently taken a zinc tablet to try to avoid <laughs> getting true. a cold because that will mess you up. I love his advice. I mean, it's so it true, true because there are so many people who, you know, when, I, when I'm having parties when you two people are, I want to bring some wine, but I don't know what you're going to like. So bring what you like. We're going to all enjoy it. And, and nothing's wrong. We all have different flavors 
and barbecue sauce and spaghetti sauce and whatever. So why isn't it the same with wine? Anyway. Yeah. So and if you like it, you bring it. And if I don't like it, you get to drink more of it. There you go. Yay, we'll get you an Uber. <laughs> um, so I talked later with Carissa. She works with her father at Continuum. When It was kind of a really short interview. I mean, that was only like about 10 minutes. I know. It was. It, I was disappointed. But, yeah, but you, the, everybody's so busy, you know, and, it's, and it was great. I mean, I, I got to say that they did a really good job cranking people through and getting a lot of exposure for these winemakers and getting us in front of a lot of people. So that was great. Because believe it or not, there were other people, other press members besides us who wanted to talk to the Mondavis. <sighs> Whatever. <don't> anyway. <laughs> We're the best. Anyway, um, <laughs> so she said that she wished that she had more time because she wanted to talk a little bit about Novacom, which is their second wine label. Right. Uh, that's kind of just started. It's, it's pretty new uh, for Continuum. Yeah, Novacom is Latin for young, new, or fresh wine. And it, as she said, it is the second wine from their estate. Um, the younger brother or sister, as you would for Continuum. Um, all of the vines are raised and vinified with the aspiration of becoming Continuum, which is the, the top tier. But the newer vines, uh, they've been going through, have substance, they have great quality, they're 100% estate grown, so why not do something else with them? Uh, the, the 2016 Novakin blend uh, is 89% Cab Sauve, 7% Cab Franc, 4% Petit Verdot. Um, they're, it's kind of like a little baby. It's like the little the little newbie. And so once those vines get old enough to start producing the level of grape quality that they want to put into Continuum, that's where that'll go. It comes from Sage Mountain. Sage Mountain. Sage Mountain. I just like the I'm, – I'm hoping it smells like sage. I just want it to – I just ex, ex, expect Sage Mountain to be full of garrick. Yeah, I, I fully expect to be sneezing, though, when yeah. it's in bloom. When sagebrush is in bloom, man, I am a sneeze fest. So <laughs> I would need some Benadryl and probably be completely knocked out. So I don't know if I'd actually you'll be a, enjoy You'd it. be a party. Carlo and Dante, <laughs> the other siblings, are doing a project out on the Sonoma Coast, um, rain. Yeah, and we got to taste it. Wow. Yeah. And there we really were, good. and we were faced with all these different wines, you know, I mean, at the, the festival. And uh, I tried that, and then I went back to that same table. And you know that I tried it again. I know, I know. Like, what I is did. that? What would you get next? You go, more rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you find There's someone like. Elia over there. What do you mean? More rain. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, okay. We had some good it ones. Was, there was, was, was so much to choose from, but I just found something I liked, and you got to stick with it sometimes. Well, and especially when there's not a lot made. We don't see it in our market a lot, so that's when you really want, you want to find something you enjoy. You know, like Tim was saying, it's your palate. Why not? Why, why not have an extra splash? You got to hog down on it when you can find it. That's what I was it trying is. to say nice, an extra splash, and you're saying hog down on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just got a waller in that stuff. <laughs> well, it was towards the end of the day, so we weren't being total pigs. But we're going to have some more from our time at the Naples Winter Wine Fest in uh, upcoming Great Mind editions. Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producers for online media are Anna Bejarano and Tara Calligan. Technical production is by Mike Canary. Great Minds theme music for Zante is by Colin Mannon. To get in touch, check greatminds.org, and thanks for listening.